Harmony at home. That is what most caregivers strive for when parenting an autistic child. Often parents are overwhelmed with meltdown after meltdown and really not sure what they can do to help their child. This impacts the family dynamic and often takes a toll on the parent-child relationship. We want to help you navigate a journey towards less chaos and more calm. The Meltdown Manual is a roadmap to harmony at home. The strategies that we will share in this course can be implemented by any parent who is willing to commit and for any age or stage of development. You don't need a therapy-based degree to become an expert on your child. It is our experience that parents can easily implement these strategies as efficiently, if not better, than a therapist or educator. My name is Stacy Badon, and I will be one of your instructors for this course. I'm excited to share the knowledge I have gained over the past 35 years as speech therapist, child development specialist, sensory enrichment therapist, and an educator, working with hundreds of autistic children from around the world, as well as their parents. I am excited that I'm going to be joined with Torin Kearns, who is an autistic adult, a screenwriter, and content producer with over 30 years of lived experience. The course will start in May of 2022. We'll have more information soon. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I didn't say anything. I wanted to give that dead time at the end of it, too, uh, so I could cut that off as well. No, that was good. That was good. That was good. Hey, y'all, just popping in real quick to say that the following interview with Erica had some technical issues. Uh, both me and her were sort of popping in and out due to some connection issues, due to some programming issues. So just be prepared for that. I was originally going to edit that all out, but I am committed and we are committed to making shifting the narrative and Ashley talk be as real and authentic as possible. So we don't like to edit stuff unless it's absolutely necessary. So just be prepared for that. Hope you enjoy the interview. And we are live back with another episode of Ashley Talk. I'm Torin Kearns and as usual I'm joined by the autism sage herself, Mama Badden. How are you? Mama Badon is good today. The sun is shining. That's always my indicator. Uh, one, one of these days, I'll good. pronounce your last name correctly. No, I think that's. <laughs> I think there's multiple ways. Um, Badon, Badon. It doesn't really matter. Just as long as it's spelled right on a paycheck to go to the. I'm perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm excited because we have a guest um, today, and. Um, her name is Erica and oh goodness, did I not, am I good? No, we can hear you. Okay. Um, I am excited because um, as I said, before we started recording, I'm just fascinated by the fact that people can create things and create new things and create different stories. Uh-oh, there we go. I think the audio, I think Erica, you're on mute. Uh, it's okay. I'm sorry. I just, it disconnected like right as soon as you started talking. That perhaps, happens. That happens to me. Don't worry, all, this, all this stuff can get edited because I run this through an editor after this. That's why the AC is yeah. on in the background right now. All that shit's going to get chopped off once it hits editing. Yeah, it completely disconnected. 
only just came back. Um, I was about to send you a Twitter DM panicking, but I, it's back up <laughs> it, now. It happens, it happens, it happens. I've, I've, I've cut out mid-sentence before. Like, don't worry about it. All right. So Erica's here. I am super excited. Um, and Erica, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hi. Yeah, my name is Erica McCorkle. Um, I am a published author as of now. I published my debut novel just a few weeks ago. and. Uh, <laughs> I'm really excited to be here. That is exciting. So Erica, do you remember the, do you remember when you decided you wanted to not only be a writer, but to get something published? Do you remember where you were, when you were, how old you are? Not really. I've been writing my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, I started building my world when I was like nine, 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of grown from there. Um, eventually gosh I don't know if there was a specific moment where I'm like I want to publish this um <laughs> it just kind of happened gradually mm -hmm. I was um I I like to tell stories and sometimes they pop in my head and when you just said you've been writing all your life uh, I had a really good friend in high school well through school but in high school she used to write poetry and I remember I would read her poetry and I was like, this is really good. And I was like, you should like copyright this because someone can like take this. You know, that was, you know, like a long time ago, probably 40 years ago. But I remember we always talked about you need to publish, right? You need to do something with this. You need to do something with this. And um, eventually she did. She became a published poet. She teaches oh, at awesome. university. But it was really, um, I don't think that... Uh, we thought, because our parents told us that being a writer was not something that was guaranteed, right? When you're creative and you say you want to do something creative, parents want you to have a stable income. So they always kind of shoo-shoo you away. Well, not always, but most parents shoo-shoo you away or say you get a backup plan. Um, so was, was writing, did you know, like, this is going to be what I do and I'll have to figure out how to make money doing it? Or what was your kind of journey around becoming a published writer? So what you said about parents is something that I had internalized, like as a child, like I knew writing would not be um, how I paid the bills. So from a young age, I was focused on getting a more stable job. And I, I do. Writing is not my primary source of income. I have I work a full time job. Um, I have a science degree. I have a bachelor's of science Um in biology and I work mm. at a blood bank and that's how I make my money. And that was my goal was to get mm -hmm. a science degree. Um, writing is, has kind of just always been a hobby. Mm -hmm. um, it's supplemental income. That's, that's how I think of it. Any money I make off of it is great. Um, I can play with that money, but I'm not going to rely on it mm -hmm. because I do need to keep my job. Um, <laughs> as a backup, basically for stability. Yes. Totally get it. <laughs> most of us, most of us are keeping certain jobs at certain stages in our life just because we want to eat. Right. It's not really right. about, this is what I want to do. Um, and I have two sons in their twenties and, you know, they're always talking about their dream job. And I'm like, um, sometimes you don't get that until later because you have to like eat and pay the bills and, and all of those other things. But, um, so I'll ask one more question off of that, and then I'll pause so that Torn can 
jump in. In regards to writing, um, as a child, did your parents sort of support your um, hobby of writing and, and encourage you? So I said, first state that um, I live with my grandparents, or mm -hmm. I, I lived with them as a child, because my mother is insane. Um, I, <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, I'm funny. sorry. <laughs> um, so I lived with my grandparents. So mm. when I say my parents, I'm, I really mean them. Yes. Um, they absolutely supported me. They were, well, my grandma was creative. She was an artist. My grandpa just, he didn't care. He was whatever. He really spoiled me rotten. And he, he felt that I could do no wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like he was extremely supportive. So anything mm. I wanted to do, he was fine with it. And my grandma loved that I was creative. So yeah, they very much supported it. Gotcha. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And Erica, I believe I could be correct me if I'm wrong. The name of the world you write in is the Pentagonal Domain, right? Dominion. Oh, Pentagonal Dominion, right? That's correct. But Pentagonal Dominion is my fantasy world. The Pentagonal. See, I can't read because she, she <laughs> writes this on Twitter all the time, but like I can't read. I know I'm a writer who can't read. So <laughs> <laughs> tell us a bit about your world. Tell us a bit yes. about your world. And feel free to nerd out a little bit. Like oh, that's gosh. the whole point of this. <laughs> okay. So it's a fantasy world, obviously, but it is connected to Earth technically. Like if you were to go through a portal, um, you could go there. So there is some human influence there. Um, one thing is that they speak languages there that we have here on earth so like they speak english and mm -hmm. they call it english in fact and there's reasons for it i won't get into the details it's kind of boring anyway the world itself is just super cool to me i mean obviously i think it's cool because i created it but <laughs> um like everyone there is not a human um it's all fantasy species that i've made up some mm -hmm. kind of based on animals some not um everybody has an element um like a fire elemental a water elemental you know everything kind of like that there's a magic system um that i'm super proud of i love it um and it's not just one planet either like it's multiple planes and like you can ah. go through portals and like you end up in other planets and not all of them are even like spherical planets like there's one that's shaped like a star one that's shaped like a crescent moon. Ah! Um, it's real fun. And um, and uh, yeah, I could go on forever. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. I know that feeling. Me and Henry and my 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 co my my co-writer Henry, he he's been on this podcast before. Uh, we created a, a sci-fi world called Aeon, which is similar to yours in terms of it's big, it's fast, has multiple stories. So whenever I hear about a world like this, I always I, I get so that's why you see me grinning ear to ear. I yeah. always get a little bit excited just because um, I'm definitely need to need to pick up your first book. I'm double excited because I understand how hard it is to translate those mm -hmm. worlds you've been coming up with since you were young into an actual book because writing mm -hmm. is, is hard. Mm -hmm. But my next question is: um, You've been working on your world since you were ten, right? Approximately, yeah. I don't remember the exact age I was. I sometimes give. 10 as a an approximate age I might have mm -hmm. been nine or something and what sort of role has because you've mentioned on Twitter that you're autistic so what sort of role do you think if any that being autistic has influenced your world creation 
Um, it's hard to tell for sure because, like, I feel like I would need like a like a control variable. Like, <laughs> what would I have fought up if I wasn't autistic? <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, like, I feel like I would not have even created this world if I were um, neurotypical. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like just being able to come up with all this fantasy stuff is, mm -hmm. it takes a certain kind of brain to even, like, mm -hmm. imagine it, to then put these different, you know, fantastic elements together. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if I create this plant for my world and I create this animal and now I have them interact like I don't know do neurotypicals do that I don't know so <laughs> I feel like um just putting all the pieces together is something yeah. that has come naturally to me because of autism mm -hmm. I think that's a really valid point and I like that you asked that question Torin um, because and I love the way you know she said I need a control variable it's like well um I don't know uh, I've never not been autistic it's a great, great <laughs> response. And it, it actually, and this has nothing to do with our topic, but it kind of reminded me of when someone's being interviewed after going through, you know, like some tragedy we saw on the news and, and, and they'll say, oh, well, you know, we are, you know, we're resilient and, you know, our town's going to build back. And I'm like, well, you really don't have a choice. I mean, like, it's not like you're, I mean, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if it's your like town you is any live special. In the yeah. Rebuild. yeah, it's like, I don't know if your town people are any more special than the other town. They just didn't get hit by the tornado, right? So they don't really have to be resilient right now. But, and I'm not saying that it, it, it's, that it takes away from the folks, but it's just, you don't know because this is the experience you have. It's the only experience you know. And so, your book and your visions and your ideas and your creativity is because of the way your brain thinks and processes and, 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 and that that's the reality of it. Um, I'm not a writer. Um, I'm starting to think of myself as a storyteller, Torin, because I love <laughs> stories. I do. I love stories. I always tell my boys as uh, they were little and I would say, you know, life is about stories to tell and, and, not a bunch of stuff to be packed up. And, and I've always read, always been an avid reader. I was one of those um, kids that my mom was like, you were reading it too. And we don't even know how. And I always had a book in my hand and the flashlight under the blanket. And my boys always wanted to go to the bookstore, you know, so they would clean their room and um, people, my sister would call them weird because we would be at a Mardi Gras parade. And my boys would look at me and say, when's the parade over so we can go to the bookstore? <laughs> was like, There's something wrong with your children. But I, you know, I came from readers. My parents were readers. So I guess reading, you know, those of you who write help those of us who read um, to, to feel and see the stories. And I'm a talker, so I like to tell the stories. But I, I would like to know in terms of your book, I'm thinking like, and I went, I tried to get the book. It's not published yet, right? When is it going to be released? No, it is published. We're having problems with Amazon right now. Ah, got it. And okay. It won't let, it won't let people buy the ebook specifically. You can That's buy the paperback and you can also buy the ebook from like Kobo and Barnes and Noble. Um, it's okay. because the book has footnotes because I can't put every single aspect of world building in the mm -hmm. narrative itself. And yeah. one of my friends on Twitter thought that um, because they weren't appearing at the bottom of the page, it was a glitch. So she reported an error to Amazon. 
Um, it's just the way the formatting is before it notes oh. have to go at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. And um, my publisher has gotten in contact with Amazon. They have talked, they have sent countless emails to Amazon and oh. it just hasn't been fixed yet. Yeah. But we're hoping soon it will be fixed. Okay. That makes sense. Because I did, I said, ooh, I want to um, start reading her book um, before before we meet, but it wouldn't give me the e-version and I, it wasn't going to arrive in time. That makes sense. All right. Perfect. Um, so what I would like to know as a, um, uh, future reader of your book, because I'm taking a little time off. And so I plan to do some really good reading, um, outside of autism and, and how to, cause that's what I typically read. But, um, as a, as the reader, what is the journey that, your that like when you write what's the journey you want the reader to take like is it a visual journey is it an emotional journey is it both um just thinking in terms of of what and I I don't know if I'm clarifying myself but when I read I envision the scene right I like experience and so I'm I'm trying to envision like oh I wonder what kind of journey I'm going to go on when I read the book Uh, I would say it's like everything. Um, I love to describe visuals. I have a Mm -hmm. lot of art of my characters and locations um, because I love to see that. Um, Some Mm -hmm. of it's on my website. It's still a work in progress. My website's kind of a mess right now. Um, But I also post it on Twitter all the time. Um, But it is also an emotional journey. Um, I put my heart and soul into writing. So... Mm -hmm. I hope that other people feel the same way. Um, it's also a bit of a traumatic journey. I mm-hmm. put a lot of dark stuff in there and mm-hmm. the last quarter of my book is extremely disturbing for some people. So mm-hmm. just be aware of that. And and I, I, I think that it should be that way. I think that, you know, people need to be able to come outside of their, their, their comfortable emotional security. Right. And, right. and, um, I think one of the terms is, you know, people like to stay in their bubble or, you know, hide their head in the sand. And, um, and, you know, I've had friends tell me that I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I'm like, I know, but if you don't know, then like, like you can't do anything, then you don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know the dark side. Okay. So how do you know there's light if there's no dark, like, how do you know there's a contrast if you don't talk about both? Um, so I'm excited now and intrigued um, because I, I um I don't know if I told you this, Torin. One of the, the genres of books that um I used to love, I always have always loved reading autobiographies. Um clearly I love people more than just in person, but I've always loved to read autobiographies. But I was really, I went through a phase where I could not read enough books about. Um, people who had traumatic childhoods, like severe child abuse, like severe have, have child you ever abuse. Read a child called it. Oh yes, oh yes. I've read the first two books. I still have to read a yes. man named Dave. Yes, and um, and I think that I was drawn to it because I remember the moment in college where I didn't understand why my roommate couldn't call her parents when she needed help because I had parents I could call. And I didn't understand that. It was like total culture shock for me that you couldn't call your, I'm just like, what do you mean? You can't call your mom and dad. And they're like, no. Um, And so I needed to understand, right? Like, like, how can you not have parents to call um, and rely on? Because that wasn't my experience. And I wanted to understand it. And thankfully, 
Um, it has helped me, I think, work with a lot of, of, of children over the years. But um, I was really like, I mean, I think I was almost like obsessed with like going to Barnes and Noble, like consuming every and any book about this horrible, tragic. And then, of course, you know, makes you angry that there's so many evil people in the world that do things to children. Um, but I say that to say what for both of you, what's your favorite genre? You both write sci-fi. Is that your favorite genre as well? Or do you have another genre that you like? Well, Erica, you do fantasy more than sci-fi, right? Yeah, I prefer fantasy just because with sci-fi, there's often like more technology and I'm not a technology person. I prefer, you know, magic and animals and just just fantasy stuff. Okay, so for those of us and from myself and those who are listening who are not writers, I need to know the difference between fantasy and sci-fi. I don't think I really know the difference. Erica, you want to go first on this? <laughs> uh, sure. It's, it's, I mean, there's some overlap. I mean, you know, you go into a Barnes and Noble and they're usually on the same shelves together. Yeah, it's but often from, called sci-fi slash fantasy. That they're, yeah. they're similar. Yeah. Um, from my perspective, sci-fi usually um, asks a question about, like, what could life be like if this technology existed or if this science were real or something like that whereas fantasy is more make-believe i I like to think of um, sci-fi as being a question about uh, the future and fantasy is about the past that's not true obviously you know you can have sci-fi in the past and a fantasy in the future but just kind of thematically the vibes the um the overall feeling, mm-hmm. usually sci-fi is, you know, spaceships and time machines, whereas fantasy is you know, knights and castles and damsels in distress, that kind of thing. Ah. Yeah, generally. It's it's murky because especially nowadays, I'm going to get a little in the weeds on this, but sort of old school sci-fi, so like 50s, 60s, 70s, a little bit in the 80s. So, so you like your Isaac Asimov, so you're like your iRobots and Odyssey 2001. Those were your classic, we asked the question about technology and the technology usually itself will ask a question about humanity. Nowadays, science leans a bit more towards what's called sci-fantasy, mm-hmm. where it will be basically a fantasy story with like magic or really advanced technology that no one knows how it works, so it's basically magic. And deep character, because that's another thing in fantasy, it tends to be more character driven. You can ah. have really deep characters and things mm-hmm. like that. Sci-fi tends to be more about the, the the world and the technology, and the characters tend to be added. They can be sort of added and subtracted at will. Nowadays, you're sort of seeing a blend. That's what I write. That's what I'm writing with Aeon. It's sort of a blend, and that's what that, that's where the trend goes. We're mm-hmm. getting a lot more of a sci-fi world with fantasy tropes. So things Got like it magic character driven stories things like that uh uh one-on-one duels things like that things you'd see in a fantasy story that's sort of what i write um that's sort of that's kind of the difference in sci-fi you generally have two main branches of sci-fi so you have what's known as hard sci-fi that's when you really get in the weeds about technology and everything Uh you do you explain how it works like Mm -hmm. there's one author christopher paulini who at the back of his latest book, he has a whole like fake science paper. It looks like a real study on how it's faster than light travel works. 
and then consult with real scientists. Then you have what I do, which is colloquially referred to as hand wavium. Basically, <laughs> you just say, this is the tech they have, and it's basically magic. So for example, uh, faster and light travel in our world works one or two, in the world I'm writing works one or two ways. You either punch a hole through a dimension, punch out somewhere else, which has, you can't back that up with any science. You pulled it out of our ass. Or the other way, which we also pulled out of our ass, which is essentially you, you create a miniature black hole, spin around it and use the slingshot you at faster and light speeds, which kind of is based on how we get sat, how we get uh, probes out in the deep space. We, we, we use planetary orbits to slingshot them, but we really extrapolated that. Like we stretched like Mr. Fantastic to make that shit work. <laughs> so that, that that's sort of the difference. So uh, fantasy is more character driven, uh, more about magic and sort of human stories, even if the characters themselves aren't human. Sci-fi mm-hmm. tends to be more built, built around the tech. Gotcha. So what's your favorite genres, Torin? Uh, for me, whew, I would say I read a shitload of fantasy. I actually like fantasy mm-hmm. more than sci-fi, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. I would say fantasy, though it really depends. Because I'm big on fantasy that doesn't just, isn't basically just a rehash Game of Thrones. Like, I love that stuff, too. I've read the Game of Thrones books. I've watched series. Um, but up until the last 10 years, fantasy, both fantasy and sci-fi suffered from white people doing white people things. And ah, now yeah. we have a lot more minority stories, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. LGBT stories, things mm-hmm. like that. So that's stuff I gravitate towards, yeah. like heavily. Like I'm a big N.K. Jamison fan, uh, uh, R.F. Kuang, big fan of her. Um, those are sort of the, that's sort of where I lean in mm-hmm. terms of, of my fantasy. I like sci-fi too. But I'm not a fan of the hard sci-fi because, be honest, I don't give a shit. Because even if you break down how it works, we're talking about FTL, faster than light travel. We can't do that. And we're nowhere near that tech. So you're essentially just hand waving with extra steps. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's that's pretty much uh, why I don't really care for sci-fi either. Is I just don't understand the science and i don't care to understand the science <laughs> exactly like it's yeah i i want to hear i want to read about character stories mm-hmm. at least you Erica, have a BA in science at least you have some basis for science <laughs> i don't even have that <laughs> oh yeah erica what's the name of your book for our listeners merchants of knowledge and magic Ooh, merchant. And don't and don't worry, or don't worry, listeners. All, all all of our all of her links will be in the description. We'll link her social media, her website. We'll we'll, we'll link uh, Amazon page any anywhere you anywhere you want, Erica, for us to link in the description so people can know where to find you and your work. We're going to do that. Okay, perfect. All right. So I have a question um, for everyone. I used to like to play this game called the Question Game, and it's Friday afternoon for me, so I'm going to make this like my imaginary happy hour um what you can one or two it it doesn't have to be imaginary you just start drinking now we like the joe rogan podcast (laughs) what is a magical power you would like to have for yourself um oh some of my answers would probably get me in trouble but i'll just say like <laughs> hypnosis like the ability to control minds Ooh. So anything goes on this podcast I, I guarantee you i've said worse shit on this on there <laughs> yeah I, I just often when i say i want the power to control other people i get 
looks of so you're a dictator van art huh it's like uh, a oh of, my goodness woman. that'd be awesome yeah that is so funny i used to want to be telepathic i used to read books when i was um little at the library on how to make things move and it was really because i wanted to i wanted to be able to to pull a chair like to make people fall because i was picked on so much and i wasn't a fighter like i'm not a physical fighter so i was like if i can embarrass them right then like they'll stop picking on me um but uh definitely did not develop that i saw that movie there's a movie which escaped to which mountain and she was able to move things i was like i want to move stuff with my mind like how cool is that but i think if i if I could pick a magical power, um, I've always, since I watched Bewitch, and even now, sometimes I'm like, I wish I could wiggle my nose and like be in this place or wiggle my nose and like go hang out with my friend for coffee and then wiggle my nose and be back at my office. So I think that would be my, not traveling through town, I'm just being able to like, what would that be? Teleport, teleport. I want to do teleporting with my so, nose. The funny thing is what you just described, you described both mm-hmm. telekinesis and teleportation. In my mm-hmm. world, both are the same power. So if you can do one, you can theoretically do the other. You Ooh! just kind of have to train it. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, excited. All right, Torin, what's yours? What's your magical power that you want? Ah, okay. Stu said hypnosis. I'm about to say something similar, but it's kind of even more fucked up. The power I would want is actually a power that I wrote for one of my characters who, I'm not going to spoil anything, does something very bad that involves, that involves a couple hundred deaths. Um, basically, <laughs> this, this character is a class of psychic nose and memento, which they're not thought pushers, they're emotion pushers. So what they can do is they can take an emotion they're feeling and transmit it to you. And the reason I came up with that is, so right around the time, I'm going to give a little story, right around the time my dad died, I was going through, I was sort of being really emo, because as the listeners of this podcast knows, me and my dad had a very um, complex relationship, or someone called that abusive. So I was very angry, and didn't know how to process things, and people sort of wanted to like, stay away from me, because I would kind of sort of come in the room, and just me appearing would drag everybody's mood down. So I created a character who is a very angry individual and he can sort of make people feel what he's feeling. And the problem with that is that most people can't function feeling that much anger, that much rage, that much negative emotion. That's why the average person will just pretend everything's fine and expect you to go along with it because their psyche literally can't handle that. So I'd want that ability because what they can do is they can make you feel a certain way which sort of is a backdoor door way of thought pushing because if I want you to run out the room screaming, I can't tell you, they can't tell you to run out the room screaming if you don't want to, but they can make you feel really, really, really anxious right. to the well, point where you're running out. out the room screaming, where you start right. thinking what they want you to think if they're, if, if they're well-trained. And I just think that they have to be well-trained because they're not trained. They sort of, sort of just, the emotions bleed out of them unwillingly and no one wants to be around them. People are sort of scared of them because they sort of ruin people's lives wherever they go, like a bad, old, like so, like a homeless man really, really smells. They have to be trained. And, uh, and as, as you imagine, they get weaponized by the government. Anyway. Yeah, I'm already picturing how I would weaponize these Oh, yeah, they're people, totally, so, yeah. totally <laughs> first, that's the That's the first thing that you because they live in a government that's that's uh, basically post 9-11, if it was the entire planet. 
basically they they a couple hundred years in the past they got attacked by an alien race known as Tenenbrain, and Tenenbrain basically cold humanity where they killed a shitload of us and they refused to admit they did anything wrong. Like they just, that their official line is mistakes were made. So as a result, they've basically rapidly the Earth, which is now called Taro, has rapidly armed itself and modernized itself using Tenenbrain weaponry in case Tenenbrain come back. As a result, civil rights don't exist anymore. And one of the things is they've weaponized these people because psychics exist because they because of DNA mixing with this alien race. Uh, and a lot of it wasn't consensual. We'll just leave it at that. So that's sort of the power I would like. I would like this ability to sort of make people feel what I'm feeling, especially mm-hmm. when I'm feeling down and I want to tell someone, they're like, well, you, you, we've all heard it. No one gives a shit how you're feeling. Well, they can force you to give a shit how they're feeling because they can make gotcha. you feel it too. So that the, I know that sounds dark as fuck, but that would be the power I want. I so, feel like I would want to channel my anger and rage and like get people all up in a just have people fucking riot yes yes <laughs> yes that's so funny i'm not gonna say I, anything but yes i wish that i could get um i wish i could must up rage i don't i don't have a i did a post the other day on facebook and i was like i'm really frustrated and my kids were like mom you didn't sound frustrated i was I was internally frustrated. They're like, okay, mom. You're, um, like I, the, you're like the, have you ever seen Keen and Peel? Yes. You know, the Obama anger translator. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> That's yes! what you need. Yes! You need the Obama anger translator. Yes, yes, yes. And I think it's just because I, I cannot, I'm such a silver lining. I can't even help myself. Like I, everything has a silver lining in my world. And so it's hard for me to really be like totally um i don't know i mean i've been angry before you're, you're also not. a black woman that works in academia so you can't be seen as being the angry black woman unfortunately well this i mean i've been angry before but it's typically because it's something involving someone and my children are really really doing something bad to children but i wanted to um i wanted to say uh torin i'm gonna bring this conversation um as organically as possible um, to my favorite uh, topics in regards to autism. I find it very interesting that the power that you want, um, because what I thought of when you were saying that is how many of um, children, teens and adults, but especially when I think of little children who are in school and in their households and they do have emotions and they're not able to communicate and how it would be great if someone understood how they were truly feeling. That was intentional. All my characters are autistic coded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, yeah. that was or autistic coded. That was intentional. <laughs> yeah, I really just, that's what I thought about. I was like, oh my gosh, I wonder if that's because, you know, when you're younger and even when you're older, sometimes people don't understand, but when you're younger and you're really, really working on um, feeling like you can communicate or even just communicating in whatever method that um, that is for you, it's, it's like, I wish they knew how I felt so that they would stop like trying to get me to do this because they don't understand that I really, whatever it is that, that kids are feeling. Um, so now I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, to get, to get the conversation back to our guest, <laughs> um, Erica, <laughs> one of the things that I've been curious about is you mentioned earlier, you do work full time. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of autistic people struggle with executive functioning, which is mm-hmm. basically things like a seat, 
doing tasks and sequence and short-term memory and organization and all that stuff sort of fits into executive functioning. So a lot of us struggle to maintain full-time jobs in general, and definitely a lot of autistic artists struggle to maintain mm -hmm. work and still output consistent art. And you've seemed to be able to do that. So what are, what are some of the things you've been able to do consistently right, which the name of the game, you want to be an artist, you have to be consistent and still working full time? Well, um, I think what helps me is that I, I found the right job. Like I love my job because it allows me to um, kind of engage with some of my autistic traits. Mm -hmm. Like I can wear whatever clothes I want to wear, basically. I mean, within reason, but I can wear, I can wear comfortable clothes. Um, I work alone. I can put on my earbuds and just listen to music or podcasts mm -hmm. or whatever I want to listen to all night long. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't talk to people. Um, people don't talk to me really, except to say, Hey, I'm going on break. Um, it is routine, but I like that. I find it comforting knowing that something unexpected is not going to happen. I know every day what I'm going to do um, at pretty much every hour. Um, and I know that I'm going to have, uh, you know, mental stimulation because I'll Uh-oh. Erica, you cut out. Uh, do can you hear me? Yeah, 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 now we can hear you. Uh, I said so much, I thought you last heard. Uh, oh, you were talking about, oh, sorry, you, you can you can say it, Stacey. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 you got it. Oh, so. The last thing we heard before you cut out was that you're working a job that has consistency. You don't mm -hmm. have to talk to people all that much and offers mental stimulation if you cut out. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. She'll be back. She'll be back. I'm excited about this whole sci-fi fantasy concept that I'm now learning about. I know. It's fun. Mm -hmm. You're back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know technology and I think zoom and the internet is just so crowded right now. We're all just going to find our little bandwidth of space. I do like, um, I think we're just waiting for the connect because I don't see that it's connected. Yeah. She says she's disconnected. She uh, mm -hmm. just sent me a message on Twitter. Hello, I think I'm back. Yeah, 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 you're back, you're back. It took it a long time to reconnect there. Ugh. No, it happens, it happens. Like I said, I can edit all of this out. Mm -hmm. It's not really an issue. That's good. Um, <laughs> Especially, it's easy, it's long pauses. So it's just a matter of just clicking. I can look at the wavelength of the voices and see where mm -hmm. there's a long, ad, where there's just a straight line and chop that. Yeah. So it, it really is not that big of a deal. Don't worry about it. Okay. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I'll start my answer all over about um, my job. <laughs> um, so one thing that helps me as an autistic person is that my job is really good for me specifically. Mm -hmm. um, so I work alone for most of the night. 
I don't talk to people and people don't really talk to me except to tell me that they're going on break or whatever. Um, and I can wear comfortable clothes when I'm at work. So these are all things that make me comfortable and therefore um, get me in a good like mental space. And also because I'm alone and I don't have to talk to people, I can listen to music, podcasts, audiobooks, um, whatever I feel like listening to at the time. So that provides me with um, like mental stimulation mm-hmm. that I can, it, it just keeps me um, like, it makes work fun. You know, I, I don't mm-hmm. feel like I go to work to work. I feel yeah. like I, I go to work to listen to podcasts, basically. <laughs> I just happen to have my hands doing other things at the time. Um, That's cute. But I do really love that my work is routine. Like you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, some autistic people don't work well with routines, but I really like it. Um, I think if I have a routine, that's very comforting to me. Mm-hmm. I like knowing that, you know, I go to work um, for five hours. I'm going to be working on platelets. That's fun. Um, then I'm going to, you know, sip the tubes and then I'm going to, you know, I, I know what I'm going to do at every hour mm-hmm. of my work day. Um, it's unexpected things that kind of bother me. Like I, I'll get a little stressed if something happens that knocks my schedule off. Mm-hmm. Um, what, and I, I really appreciate you sharing that. And for the listeners out there, um, especially our parents, I think that what you just shared is very insightful and hopefully will lessen the worry for some of the parents who will sometimes tell me, well, I mean, if they're having routines, then, you know, life is not about routines. And then what are they going to do when they get older? And you just answered that question. Pick a job that works for you. If you need a job that has no surprises, if you need a job where you work alone, it's like if your children need routine and they thrive well on routine, they can grow into a productive autistic adult who just gets a job that has routine. Um, and I think parents don't think about that. So I'm glad that you shared that because I do think it's important to understand that who we are as individuals and who, um, what we need is how we should choose the field that we go into and, and hopefully be able to find a job that works for us. And I I think you said that beautifully. So I I thank you for that. And on top of that, a lot of a lot of like the they, they say, oh, well, parents like, well, they won't always have a routine. But if you listen to those self-help gurus, mm. all those super successful, here's the 10 tips I do to be successful. I'm not going to mention the part where my family gave me a loan of $5 million and I got out of college. <laughs> they always talk about routine, routine, mm-hmm. routine, doing the same things, consistency, all that stuff. Yet when autistic people want to do that. Mm-hmm. we're told oh you can't do that you have to live your life by seeing your pants and not planning shit out yeah. yeah yeah you have to be flexible and i'm like it's not like you can't teach how to be flexible i mean we all have to learn to be flexible because sometimes you know the lights go out yeah. um or respond to that flexibility however um and but i i i think that i just love the way you said that because It really is a struggle for a lot of parents when the supports that they have in place work for their child, but then they think that those supports won't be available in the real world, you know, as people put it. Um, But it's about making decisions. And I think it's, I think it's a lesson to be learned for all of us, because I think a lot of people fail at work because they pick the wrong job, 
right? They pick the job that doesn't work for them. And, and, you know, if you don't like to, to, you know, if you have sensory around clothing or you don't like to dress up or whatever, then don't pick a job where you have to dress up, right? If it makes you feel uncomfortable. And I think that, um, I'm just going to stop. I I'm, I just love that response because I hear, I have so many parents that worry about that, right? And and I try to help them understand it, it can be there, right? Just because your job, you like, you know, you like the emergency room, ER, where you never know what to expect. And, and I don't want to work in the ER, right? I like a little structure and a little routine. Um, I mean, I think routine is great for all kids. I, I don't, you know, as a parent, as an educator, I think children want routine. Children want to know what to expect. I think for autistic individuals, it's um, there's more components to the reason why. But I think that um, all of us are, are more productive with routines. Um, uh, and sometimes we don't like to be productive. Some people squawk at a routine because they don't like the fact that they may have been able to accomplish. And then that's going to be expected all the time, right? So then they say, no, I just like to go with the flow. I'm like, and okay. Then, and then a lot of people just have undiagnosed ADHD, so they can't function. They've told they don't have the executive function to build routines. Yes. And as a result, one of the, and as a corollary to our last question, Erica, have you, you, you're in a job now that works well with you. Have you ever had any jobs that didn't particularly work mm-hmm. well with you? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, my first job was at Walmart. Oh, God. Um, oh, God. Cashier. I've heard horror stories about retail. Yeah. Uh, if anything, I do feel like it helped me become a bit more of a social person. Like, it taught me how to talk to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there's that. But, God, I would not want to do that for a living. Yeah. Um, God. Yeah. You know, we had to wear uncomfortable clothes that I was not okay with. And, we had to stand up oh i could rant forever about how stupid it is that in america our cashiers have to stand up yeah wh- why is that and we talked when i was in college to our at our dining hall there was a movement to get the cashiers to sit down because it just makes no makes it's no goddamn capitalist sense. bullshit is what yeah. it is yeah it's because it makes us look lazy if we're sitting down and oh, the you know our capitalist overlords can't have us looking like we're lazy. Oh my gosh, that's hysterical! I w- I can't work. I worked at this place called Wicks and Sticks that sold candles. I literally would come home and tell my mom, "I swear, I'm going to freaking shoot myself. It's so damn boring. <laughs> I just stand there waiting for someone to buy a candle. I cannot do this. I know I'm going to finish college. Like, there's yeah, no I, way I can do this. I, I, I've worked a whole bunch of jobs. I worked in, in uh, sales, selling gym memberships. In January, in January. Oh, that was. It was like the. Have you ever seen the Wolf of Wall Street? Mm-hmm. I have not. It, it's basically the Wolf of Wall Street about this dude who did a bunch of corrupt, illegal shit during the eighties on Wall Street, and it's crazy. There's a lot of partying, a lot of drug use, and stuff like that. That's basically gym sales, just not quite as insane, but not really, because you'd see things like people come in and hung over, the boss was out, I had one co-worker who would bring in his girlfriend, they'd go into the, where they have the kids area, where they let kids in, well, there'd be no kids there sometimes, because they'd be closed, so he'd take his girlfriend in there and do you know what. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one dude got head right under his desk, like the desk was wow. in the front. And he was just sitting there, and the chick was under the desk, and he was fucking. He was talking to customers with this chick under the desk, and we're, we we all got to act straight like this shit ain't happening oh right God. now. Oh so, my gosh! 
That is yeah. just crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy. So crazy. I, I've seen so so yeah, that 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 was crazy. I work with I work in youth development after school programs for a couple of years. That was fun, but it's just so fucking chaotic. Yeah. Because like anything involving education work operates on, on a system of structured chaos. Mm-hmm. As Stacy would know. Mm-hmm. So I like that, structured chaos. I don't. I yeah. just I, I don't. And you get paired up with people who just don't believe in structure mm-hmm. at all. And it's just, mm-hmm. that's not, that's neither here nor there. Um, another one of my questions is, there's a bit off topic, but uh, your books you mentioned, I guess we should say this up front, your books do have some mature content in it, right? Oh, absolutely. They are um, adult only books. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a stereotype and I keep seeing this over, I, at first when I saw it once, I'm like, okay, no one actually believes this or almost no one actually believes this. But then I keep seeing this over and over and over and over and over and over and over that people think that autistic people like don't have relationships or have like love lives or engage in sexual acts. And apparently that's, that, that's a thing. I keep seeing it. Yeah, I know that's, you can't, huh. the viewers can't see Stacy's reaction. She's like, what the hell? Like that was my reaction too. Like that's what it's like, but what? So I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. So what would you say to people as someone who writes mature content, what would you say to people who think, well, autistic people don't like know what sex is or don't have relationships or don't really understand mature content? What would you say to those people, Erica? I would call them idiots. I mean, (laughs) plain as, I don't know what else to say to that. Um, One thing that I have heard so um, when I was kind of researching autism, and I don't know if this specific aspect is really in vogue anymore, but back a few years ago, there was kind of this thing about how autism will present differently in boys than in girls. And I know now, you know, there's a big, you know, non-binary, um, agender thing. And at the time, I didn't know about that. I only, I lived in a binary world, so... <laughs> I learned about, you know, autism in boys and autism in girls. And specifically in for autism in girls is that there was kind of a trend that girls would go one of two ways. Either they'd become very hypersexual or very like sex averse, mm-hmm. asexual, just absolutely terrorized of sex. Mm-hmm. And I had a friend who was the opposite. She was hypersexual. She yeah, was, I, I knew a few autistic. I, I knew a few autistic chicks who were hyper, who you define as hypersexual. Yeah, yeah, she was very much an autistic woman and very horny. Mm. Um, me, I am asexual. Like I have never had sex, and I do not want to because. Wait, so you're asexual, but you write mature content. That's I interesting. do because I like. I don't want my body to have sex, but I still <laughs> get horny. <laughs> I still fantasize about like other people or fantasy characters mm-hmm. having sex mm-hmm. oh, oh that's, that's so funny that's so funny that you said that um erica when you said i fantasize you know your book and your writing you know when people talk about when you're doing a speech if you're uncomfortable to view people naked okay. so one of the things i used to do in college when i was like bored with professors talking and like boring me i would start imagining them and how they would have sex i'm like ooh. <laughs> how they would have sex and that's how i would maintain my 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 look of interest during the boring lecture i had some old ass professors so i would never want to do those are professors i would never want to know 
just no. I, like, I'm trying to get that shit out of my head right now, Stacey, because some of these people are older than Joe Biden. So, no. Or <laughs> well, one like, of the things that's that, like me trying to get the vision of my own children having sex when they said, hey, mom, just want to let you know I had sex for the first time. I'm like, why would they tell you that? My well, children you have a really me. open. I would never tell. I, I would tell my aunt and uncle. I would never tell my my aunt any of that shit. My and she don't want to know. That's, we we, we have a live and left a live relationship there. Like she don't want to know. I don't want to tell her. They share everything. Oh my god. Yes. I had, I, my dad was way too. He's a little off top. My dad was way too into like when I was going through puberty. He was way too into like my sex drive. And things like that, because he was convinced I was going to turn out gay because he was very homophobic. Actually, this is on topic that's going to lead to my next question. He was convinced I was going to turn out gay because, like, when I was, like, 13, 14, I didn't talk about, like, girls and stuff like normal, like, uh, normal teenage boys do, or heterosexual teenage boys mm-hmm. do, at least. Um, I am straight. Um, every day I wake up hoping to be gay because I understand <laughs> dudes, but I understand chicks. I'm, I'm just going to leave it out there. But... Um, you mentioned non-binary and things like that, and you have a lot of representation in your books of non-binary and agender and intersex characters in your books. What made you want to add all that, that stuff in there, that representation? I thought it was cool, basically. Like, it was a nice. new thing to me, and it's like, there's this new thing, you know, that doesn't... It's, at the time, it felt very fantasy to me, and uh, every day it becomes more and more real like oh this is a thing that real people experience Mm. but at the time it was just so fantastic and like yes I want to put this in my books because this is just amazing I like the idea of this world where you know not everybody is a man or a woman um you're just whatever Mm -hmm. hear that you hear that guys she Erica believes in non-binary and gender non-conforming roles before it became cool Oh God, I'm getting canceled for that. <laughs> well, I, you know, I had a conversation with some young folks and I said, you know, I, I'm perfectly fine with whatever anyone, whether you're non-binary, whatever it is that whoever you are is who you are and whoever you want to be identified and called and named, whatever is fine with me. Um, but now it's almost like I'm getting shamed when I say, oh, I'm just so proud and I love being a woman, right? Like people are like, well, you know, you know, have you considered? I'm like, no, I, I don't like, can I just not like, like I love being a black woman. Like that's what I identify as. And so I almost feel like I'm, I'm like too boring and plain, like too antiquated. Like I need to like find some other. So well, the problem really is, is in this age of social media, there are certain like trigger words or keywords mm-hmm. that we look for. Someone says, and someone says, I'm proud to be a woman, 95, 99 out of 100 of those tweets are going to then be followed by a thread about how men are men and women are women and non-binary people don't exist. Like, because we're, we've accustomed to that's what we're going to hear. Yeah. Like, when a conservative person says, follow the science, you know they're going to say some transphobic shit. Like, yes. guaranteed, because you know they're not talking about yes. COVID because they don't follow the science when it comes to COVID. So yes. you know you're going to hear some transphobic shit. Yes. So I, I think that, that that's part of the reason. Also, it, it's social media. It's always going to be crazies. Like, yeah. especially Twitter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Very, very interesting. So have you, has anyone, and maybe when you're, um, you know, when folks start, you 
going when you, if you're going to have in-person things or have you gotten any feedback as to, well, I don't know, I guess maybe do people know that you haven't had sex, but you're writing about, um, um, sex in your books. And it's like, well, how do you write about something that you haven't experienced? Because people say you should write about what you know. <laughs> oh, I do. I've, I have mentioned it. And I've even asked people like, you know, what's this like? Um, my response <laughs> to that, like, you know, how can you write about it if you don't know it? Yeah. I, I write about a man having sex. Like, yeah. I mean, I still would have to ask somebody how, what that's like. Yeah. Wait, so. I, ca- I can't wield magic. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that too. But I mean, just, just even with the sex stuff, like, mm-hmm. I mean, the character I'm writing about right now is a man. Uh, he's also a lion man and his penis is barbed. So yeah. that's not something that yeah. any human could probably tell me what that's like. Yes. So doesn't yeah. he also have a tail that that's on fire? It's lightning. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, I love how people will draw the line. Like people will draw a line in literature. They'll be like, well, this is unrealistic. And it's like, so the whole bullshit way that we came up with for faster and light travel, that's cool. Like we just pulled out of our ass. That's cool. But the fact that like this person, like this person doesn't identify as a male or female, that, that's, that, that's beyond the pale. That's beyond the pale. That, that, yeah. that, we, we can't do that shit. It's people just argue about the silliest things. All right. I have a last question based on what we just mentioned. Um, If you could be any animal, what animal would you want to be? I love playing the question game. (laughs) There's actually a book that's called the question game. It's called a book of questions. Um, What animal would you want to be? I'll, I'll start. I've always said I would love to be a black panther. I just want to chill by myself. And then when I get hungry, go get something to eat and then chill by myself. And then nobody messes with me. I think I would be like some kind of bird of prey, like a falcon or a hawk or something. So I can just fly the fuck away, away from danger. Um, so that I am like the top of the food chain. (laughs) Um, and and because I would probably look pretty cool. I mean, they, they do look really awesome. Yes, they do. All right, Torin. Um, oh, you want me to answer that? Yes. Oh, it's I, guess, I guess this is an interactive interview today. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I like being human, to be honest. I know it's a cop out, but I guess I could be an animal. I'd be a dog because I love dogs. And I really Great. Love now you're going to make us feel like we don't appreciate being human, Torin. <laughs> <laughs> I guess dogs. I, I love dogs. Um, so, so Erica, give us, before we go, we're bringing this in because we like to keep our interviews between about 45 minutes an hour or the length of a long trip to the bathroom. (laughs) Tell us, give us the pitch. It doesn't have to be perfect. Doesn't have to be a succinct 10 second elevator pitch, but give us the pitch for your newest book and for your world. Oh God, I haven't practiced this. Um, my newest book that just came out um, is about an intersex, asexual dragonfly person named Lin Fei who is sent on a journey by her boss to find his missing henchman who is a demon and a man. And also there's a, uh, a society in this world of women who enslave everybody who's not a woman by their standards. And Kalinfe has to go rescue him from this 
society, while she herself is also intersex and would therefore be enslaved. Um, and this is already longer than a pitch, so I feel- I gotta say, it doesn't have to be perfect. Trust me, <laughs> it, it, it took me a while to get, I recently got my pitch for my book down correct on, on an interview after like two years. <laughs> oh yeah. It sounds uh, that sounds awesome though. Don't get me wrong. Nice. It, 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 it sounds really cool. And like, I really hope, and don't take this the wrong way, because this could be the best thing to happen for your career. I really hope that somebody is listening, gets really triggered by all the inclusion you have, <laughs> and you end up on Tucker Carlson and he rants oh, about how God. much of a woke warrior you are. Because that would be the best thing oh. for your career, honestly. Then people oh, will just God. buy your shit. Like, that's <laughs> my, my goal. I want to end up on, on Tucker one day. I want Tucker to call me a communist. Like, that's my goal. My mom when... would then know that I wrote a book. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Who didn't know that you wrote a book? Oh, my mother. She watches Fox News. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Oh, that is... I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah. she watches Fox News. <sighs> oh, gosh. Okay, is there anything yeah. else you'd like to say, Erica? Uh, well, thank you for having me here. This was fantastic. I really love this, and I would just love to chat more, but I understand that you uh, have a time limit, so. <laughs> You'll have to come it. back. You'll have to come back. Oh, yeah, because... we're definitely going to have you come back, and then when your second book is going, we'll definitely have you come back for that. I, mean, I, would, this love, is, this is awesome. I would love for you to come back after um, Torn and I have read the book. I'd love to have, like, a really good discussion on the book based on I really would because I'm I'm actually intrigued and like I said I'm taking some time off and I'm going to read outside my usual. Um, I say that all the time and I always end up bringing a book on autism. Like <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes I, I need a break because that's what me and Stacy do. It's all autism all the time. I listen to like podcasts and stuff. I don't have the attention span for a lot of books, but like I listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff. Yeah. And sometimes you just need a break from that shit. But yeah, we're definitely gonna have you on. And I think I think we're ready to go. How about you, Stacey? Yeah, this was good. Thank you for making my Friday afternoon um, engaging and joyful. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Bye. Hey, guys. If you want to follow the podcast on social media, find us on Twitter at Shifting Autism. You can follow Stacey on Twitter at Autism Sage and Instagram at Everything Autism. Follow me on Twitter at TK underscore Aspie, on Instagram at Autistic underscore Author, and on Facebook at The Autistic Author. Thanks for listening.